Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Super Serious Dog Podcast, hosted by myself, Misha Bielitsky, and my co-host, Courtney Cuellar. Me. That's her, wherever she is on the screen. (laughs) Um, What are we talking about today, Courtney? Stuff I like (laughs) and stuff I don't like. Uh, No, I mean, yeah, that. But, uh, I mean, I've... I've worked with dogs long enough now and I've, I've seen enough harnesses and held enough leashes and Mm. used enough equipment to have an opinion on what I think is good and what I think is crap. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I figured I'd share that opinion since, you know, that's what you do on these podcast things, share your opinion, um, and tell people about, you know, why I do and don't like certain things. That's and then awesome. you can do that too. And we can uh, show people. I heard you had show and tell ready. I do. There's like so much just dog stuff on my t- my desk and bleeding over into my fiance's desk as well. Awesome. Uh, it's pretty, pretty great. So um, yeah. Do you want to just start with like show and tell stuff? Yeah. So what do you got okay. on that desk? Because I can't okay. see. So, so All right. Let's, All right. Well, there. let's start with um, treats. treats. Treats is a good one. Treats is a popular one. So- what I've experienced a lot is mm-hmm. people being like, oh, I'm going to give my dog a treat. And they'll give their dog like this milk bone that's like Huge. five inches long. <laughs> and it takes their dog like, you know, five minutes to eat it or like a bully stick or something like that. Um, and yep. that is not ideal for treat training. Training. Right. Yes. Those are those are good treats. Right. That's like a snack. Right. So it's a treat in that it's a snack, but it's not good necessarily the best for training. In general, I don't really like crunchy treats for training um, outside of like kibble or like those like like little like poof type ones. I don't know if you've ever seen them. They're kind of like a like a puffed pita. Like the Charlie Bears. Maybe that's they're kind of like Cheerio type material. Yeah, yeah, but they're they're smaller, and so even though they're crunchy, they they don't take as long to eat, mm-hmm. and time is is kind of important typically and of the essence. Um, but uh, a couple things that I I like are, and I think you'll probably agree. So um, pet botanics, it's backwards on here, but uh, pet botanics. The nice thing about these is they have really small, they're teeny tiny, and they're very very fragrant. Um, and you can, if they're still too big, these, this is actually the minis, you can break them in half. So now they're even smaller. Um, the bigger ones, you can even go further and break them in quarters. So that way your dog, especially like I have a chihuahua, (laughs) right? So, and he is very hungry all the time, despite the fact he is not hungry all the time. Um, you know, it's important for me to be able to use small little bits and make them even smaller than the average dog. Um, there's a local, I think I'm pretty sure it's local to Austin. It might be Texas, but there it's called uh, Oh no, these are from, uh, Colorado. Excuse me. Um, they're called Zooks. They're really similar to the, these ones, uh, the pet botanics ones. And there's a lot of other brands like it. Honestly, I just always like showing people like the breakability, the fragrance of it and how small they are in general. Cause those are typically ideal for training. 
Yeah, I'm sure. I, I agree. I, I always tell people to always, I, I, w- I almost always break them in half because I'm like, we don't want your dog getting full. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a high value reward. This is better than kibble. So mm-hmm. if what you want it to be just something yummy and delicious in their mouth for a moment and you want them to yeah. want another one. More. Right. More. So if somebody gave you a chocolate cake every time you did something good, well. you would only want to do like one good thing a week, right? maybe uh you wouldn't want to do like 10 good things a day right but if somebody gave you like just a lick of a piece of chocolate every time you'd be like i want to do more i want to do more i want to do more because you just get that little little yummy morsel and so that's how you keep the motivation yeah totally um i'm sure you've used food log type treats as well right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, cutting those up yeah yeah i like those a lot especially for dogs who maybe um uh, Happy Howie's, I believe, is what it is, or it's Hungry Happy Howie's. Howie's. This one I just got from a local pet store on the um, down the road for me, but it's called the Red Barn Naturals. I yes. know Natural Balance makes one. I know what was the brand that we used to use all the time at APA? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. But like food log. So this isn't refrigerated. Um, usually if it's refrigerated, there might be raw ingredients in it. So I tend to stay away from those. Um, once you open this, I like to. Re- refrigerate it or slice off pieces and freeze it but it's nice because you can you can dictate exactly how big or how small the treat is and that's kind of nice and this this can be a nutritional supplement in fact I think it is actually sold as like food to add to or you could just feed your dog just this because it's got enough nutrients in it um but it's also super fragrant because it's kind of jerky-ish and then there's these bad boys I like these a lot um this is called Stewart's uh, Pro Treat. Um, this one is just straight up dehydrated. Uh, this one's pork liver, but they make beef liver and chicken liver. And I think they have like chicken hearts, mm-hmm. but it's just dehydrated. There's literally one ingredient in it and that's it. So that's also nice kind of for dogs who might have really restrictive diets. Um, maybe they have like a corn or wheat allergy or something like that. Um, the bigger ones can be harder to break up, but... If you use a knife... Sometimes you got to get a right. knife and a cutting board and, and make it a right. thing. Um, right. Just fill up a little baggie. And also, if you're going to use those moist-type treats or the freeze-dried treats, little pro tip, put them in a baggie and put the baggie in your treat pouch. Yeah. Don't put those things straight in your treat pouch because the oils or whatever will seep out or the crumbs will get in there and you'll never be able to get them out and... Just yucky stuff can happen. Yucky stuff can happen. And so like having the baggie, you can just switch it out easily with a different treat. So like, especially if you're training multiple dogs that have different dietary needs, like just switch them out. Right. Yeah. It's a little little tip there. Yeah. Um, Have you, I know we talked about how Phoebe does not like raw or like dead things. Mm -hmm. Um, She doesn't like, like, you know, pig ears and that kind of stuff. It freaks her out. But have you ever fed any of your other dogs raw stuff or a raw diet or anything? Mm -hmm. What did you, what did you feed them? I I supplement my dogs with like raw things every now and then, but I'm just curious what you do. I did a lot of grinds because I was trying, Mm -hmm. I was trying to do everyone at the same time. So I was trying to keep everyone happy, um, which Phoebe was one of them and it was very difficult. So grinds are what, overall made everyone happy so we did that right. through uh, texas tripe a lot um nice. i would go to like asian markets and you know check out butchers things and so you would kind of just make your own grind stuff yeah yeah okay that in combination with grinds but like i said it, yeah. it, it ended up not working out and then i screwed up and it was a whole whole expensive ordeal 
So I haven't gotten back into it since then. Um, yeah, no, for sure. I, um, I've done some of that, but it is, it's kind of overwhelming to get into raw feeding. Fortunately, there's a lot of books. There's a lot of pamphlets out there. There's a lot of groups. <laughs> what are you doing? Hang on one second. Okay. For those of you that are listening, her uh, training dog was getting out of her kennel and she has a leash on her and she got a little tangled. So Misha yeah. had to help her. Un- untangle. Yes. Um, so one of my uh, other, mo- one of my most recent board and trains before her um, was on uh, like a grind as well. And the, the person um, also had like really good traits that were like jerkyish, So they liked a lot. I had to chop them up. Um, because where they were scored, it was still too big for training purposes, but like my dogs and Murphy went ape for it. Um, but I really like the patties that she made. It's called Bella Good Life. It's a logo right there. Um, it's a local Austin brand. Um, you can go to bellagoodlife.com and check it out and kind of see um, that process. But it's, uh, I really liked it a lot because it's already pre-made patties. Um, you just throw the bag in your freezer and it's already sectioned off. Whereas I felt like a lot of the pre-made grinds were very like bloody yes. and may turn off a lot of people to raw feeding. And then this, she also balances with like, um, you know, other ingredients besides just meat as well. So like, you know, your fibers and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, even, even Rocky, who's pretty picky, loved this stuff. <laughs> like he nice. loved it. And whereas some of the other grinds he might... He generally likes raw food a lot, but sometimes he turned his nose up to it. And I'm like, dude, like, what the heck, man? <laughs> B-Town can't eat all of this by himself. <laughs> He's too small. So um, do you have any, uh, like, tools that you like to use or anything like that? Any specific oh, yeah. or? Oh, yeah. So um, I definitely do not like uh, rope leashes. Um, mm, me neither. Like the braided, any kind of rope. Um, hurts my hand. It hurts your hand. You can't get, you can't, like some of them are too thick to where like it's hard to double it over or or maneuver it very well. Um, and then if, if the dog does pull or it slides through your hand, the rope burn on the inside of your hand is. Yeah, it can be unpleasant. No fun. I've had some clients with um, rheumatoid arthritis actually mm-hmm. prefer those though because they can't grip as easily. Um, because it hurts sometimes. So they've liked those thicker rope leashes because it does give them a little bit more of an advantage. But I, but I generally agree. Like for me personally, I don't really like rope leashes. I prefer them flat or ideally leather um, or some sort of leather alternative. Um, but uh, yeah, they're hard to like close the doors and like make tethers out of them when they're that thick. Cause a lot of times the, the door can't support that much thickness, right. Right. Uh, which is cool. I have fallen in love with biothane long lines um, for hiking. Yeah. So I, I used to use nylon lines um, and I constantly dealt with burrs being stuck in them, them picking up tons of mud and dirt when they got wet. And they would get so stiff when they would dry. Yeah. And they'd get heavy and the dogs would like noticeably like have to drag the weight of them. Like smaller dogs really struggled with it. Mm. Um, when they wrapped around your ankle, it hurt really bad because it was like a mm-hmm. rope burn around your yeah. ankle. Um, right. And just, yeah, I've 
biothane lines, although it does still hurt when they wrap around your ankle. Um, they when they get wet, they when they get wet, they can be hard to hold. But if you just keep right. the handle dry, you'll be fine. Right, right, and the. Ooh. The mud just falls right off of them and they're really sturdy and I really enjoy them. Yeah, I like those a lot. You, you're the one who turned me on to those because I didn't really like them. Um, I've used them in a like a normal leash length, like a four to six foot type thing. And I never liked it because I'm not a my fan hands of them in sweaty. that length. Yeah, I'm for some reason it's I'm specific. I'm like not in that length, yeah. but in long line, I love them. Yeah, I think when when you're hiking and stuff and there is like you want to let it drag to give the dog freedom and stuff, the biothane ones tend to get caught on like stigs and twigs a lot less too. Right. Um, right. Not just the mud and the stuff. So like, you know, whereas like the teeniest, tiniest little protrusion of like where a little shrub once was would just completely get caught on a normal long leash that's made out of nylon. Those right. just, whoop, just pop right off usually pretty easily, which is which is kind of nice. Um, so, uh, I, I also know you have a soft spot for slip leads, but more specifically Mendota slip leads. Yes. It's a yes. really fun word to say. It is. It took me forever to figure out how to say it though. Cause you know how sometimes when you just read a word, but you've never heard it pronounced, you like yes. just make up a different way it's said in your head. So it was just like this made up M word that it was in my head. And then someone mm-hmm. asked me with a brand one time and I was like, Mendota. Dota, I think <laughs> I'll look it up. Uh, but I, yeah, that's that is the brand, and yeah. Um, yeah, that size you have there is is really awesome, really easy to handle, really soft. And I know yeah. I just got done saying I don't like rope leashes, but like <laughs> that is a different kind. It's, it's a, the exception to the rule, because right. even the type of nylon that they use is different in those tra- com- as compared to those traditional. Quote, rope leashes that, that are typically sold. Um, yeah. So if you, if, for those of you who are watching um, on, on the uh, YouTubes and stuff, um, you can see kind of the thickness that ranges and they make them even thinner than the orange one that I have in my hand here. This one I think is like three quarters uh, or no, sorry, the black one is three quarters. And I think this one is um, half an inch or something like that. Or I don't know. Actually, actually I can't remember. I should probably check that. Either way, they do make them thinner than this for smaller dogs, but then, you know, you, you have a bigger variety as well for, um, like, your your big, big dogs. I don't really typically like to use this unless it's, like, truly a Great Dane or something like that. I tend to use the smaller size for, like, everything. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> I have some of the bigger ones, and they're I don't use them for, like, training. They're more for, like, around the, ho- around the house, you know, yeah. I just need to move a dog from one point to another. I just yeah. need to slip something on. Um, yep. But the thinner ones I use for hiking and leash walking and just, you know, That's safety nice. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I know you uh, You use martingale collars as well, right? I do, and I am pretty specific on the ones I like. So those ones that you're holding up, I love because they do not have a buckle. Yes. They are one continuous piece of fabric that is mm-hmm. adjusted to the size of the dog. And the reason is because I've seen them, I've seen plastic buckles break. Mm-hmm. It can happen if the dog chewed on it one time and kind of messed it up a little bit, but you're like, ah, eh, it's probably fine. Or if it's just a really old hand-me-down one and it's mm-hmm. been through a lot of dogs and it's got some dirt in it, like they can just fail. And so your really safe collar becomes suddenly not a safe collar just right. because of the plastic buckle. So right. the, the continuous fabric ones I, I like. Yeah. Yeah. Same. 
Same. And for those of you who don't know what a martingale collar is, it's just one specific brand. It was one of the first ones. It's kind of honestly like now become the Kleenex of no slip collars is what this really is kind of generally referred to. Uh, martingale was just one of the first brands to, to do it um, or be most popular, I guess. Maybe, maybe they weren't the first, but essentially there's this extra bit of fabric where you clip your leash to right here. So that way, if the dog does try to pull out of it, it can, the, the collar itself can rest loosely around the dog's neck, which is what most people prefer. But if they try to pull, it cinches up and they can't slip out of it. So it's a good um, safety type sort of thing, but also really good for those dogs who have had a lot of success slipping out of collars or maybe right. are dealing with a lot of fear. Right. Um, yeah. Fear, sort of fearful dogs, uh, flight risk type dogs. It's definitely a really good collar to have on. Um, and yeah, if a dog has ever successfully slipped out of a collar by like backing up or twisting or, you know, they have lots of ways of doing it. If they know they can, mm -hmm. they will try and yep. it only takes one second for them to be successful. And then right. now the dog's off leash. Right. And that can be really scary. Very yeah. scary. Um, do you, um, do you use like gentle leaders or halties or stuff much these days? Not anymore. Uh, there was a phase of it, of time when I did, uh, I preferred the gentle leader to the halty. Mm. Um, but I don't really use them anymore. So I don't have a lot of ground that I stand on with that. Um, yeah. I prefer to use a slip lead now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, um, Heather Beck with canine lifeline, she basically makes I've heard really leash. good things about those. Yeah. The yeah. canine lifeline ones. They have this extra little, um, attachment that essentially clips as a backup to a collar. Um, but also they can be converted into essentially like a halty. So um, I don't have a halty right now, but I do have a gentle leader that I'm holding up right now. So it essentially slips over the dog's face like this clips behind. So for those of you who are, are listeners, I apologize, but essentially um, just to describe it to you, there's, there's a piece of fabric that goes over the dog's snout. Um, and then there's a, continuation of that that basically hangs directly straight down below their chin where you would clip the leash and essentially what that does is it gives you control over their head in the same way that you um you know when you ride a horse or uh when you're moving cattle or livestock around you're using some sort of head halter because yeah, it's, you have it's very similar to the a head halter on a horse or something like that because yep. you you steer yep. their head and their body follows yep yeah. The pretty much the biggest difference between like a gentle eater and a halty is that the halty gives you an added pull um, and that it cinches up kind of like the martingale collar does. It, that's a, I'm complete kind of oversimplifying it to be perfectly honest, but that's effectively what it does. Kind of like a bridle versus a head halter for, for any of you horse people who might be listening. Um, right. The bridle has a bit and all this other stuff and it kind of impacts the animal a little bit more. Um, so you wouldn't necessarily put it on just any dog. There, there's a specific reason. Um, and there's a conditioning process and, and all yes, of that. You, yeah. Yes. <laughs> just like with muzzles, right. You don't just slap it on the dog and say, huh, it's, you should enjoy Deal this. With that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of muzzles, I know, uh, I there's muzzles. lots of kinds of muzzles out there yes. and I imagine you as well as I have opinions on them because when you work with dogs that need to wear muzzles, you, mm -hmm. you get pretty strong opinions on muzzles. Yes. Very, very true. Um, I'm a fan of the Baskerville muzzles. I think a lot of trainers are, mm -hmm. um, but honestly, any muzzle is bound to be a good idea if, if you're dealing with that situation. Um, 
it's kind of a blanket statement because I'm sure there's something out there that's just terrible. But the reason why um, we like Baskervilles is this is this is Rocky's Baskerville, is that it still allows the dog to put their face in there and pant and open their mouth and breathe and take treats and oh for the most part function as normal as if there's nothing on their face. Um, Rocky doesn't have the top strap anymore, but there is a top strap that also helps prevent dogs who are new to it from slipping it off. Or if you do have a a serious dog or maybe a dog who really doesn't like going to the vet and gets especially stressed out and, um, you know, may potentially bite. It's, it's nice to have that backup. Um, for a while I was trying out different types of muzzles. So, um, here I have a Jaffco muzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's clear, which is kind of nice cause you it has the same kind of benefits in that like the dog can still open their mouth. Um, it's perforated. It's a little bit harder to give treats through, um, if that's part of the process. Um, and I don't especially love these in Texas during the summer. Um, because a lot, as you can imagine, it's kind of more or less mostly enclosed, whereas the Baskerville is mostly open. So a lot of that humidity can build up from them panting. Um, and then, you know, potentially, uh, you know, could cause risks, right? Like there's, there's just risks with that overheating kind of stuff. So, um, but during the winter, that kind of stuff also, um, the strap does stretch out a little bit cause it's made of like a rubber, Mm. but honestly, you just, move up to the next hole when that happens and it's fine. Um, I haven't had any problems with it. Um, I know a lot of people struggle when you have like uh, squishy face dogs, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I have used like cat muzzles before, but that's pretty much more like a fly knit on a horse or just like covers their whole entire face. Right. Um, And it's just like a mesh netting type sort of situation. Um, uh, Another good one is also like a, it's called the Italian style muzzle. So they're a little bit like, like if the Baskerville is pretty rounded looking, the Italian is very like sleek and narrow. It's kind of like what you would imagine the silhouette of a, of a German shepherd or a, a pinch, uh, uh, what is it called? Doberman pincher or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Um, so basically they can all, all fit just kind of depends yeah. on what your dog's shape of their snout is and yeah. what what your aim is in that. I know a lot of the 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 squish face, the brachiophallic dogs, you do have to a lot of times get custom made muzzles uh, yep. if you need one for them. Uh, I know it's I think I think the brand's like Bumas. Yeah, or, Bumas is one. Bumas, B-U-M-A-S, yeah. M A S. Yeah. And you you just take measurements of your dog's face and um they they make yep. one for whatever. Yep. Size your dog's faces, but I mean, it's not cheap. So, yeah. Um, Etsy has actually a bunch of custom ones that are cheap nowadays. Like oh, really? you can get them in leather, you can that's get them awesome. in biothane, you can do a similar amount of customization as mm-hmm. you can for Bumas, um, which is really nice. Cause I mean, if, you know, someone's got the disposable income, great, go, go get a Bumas. Cause there is, there's some benefit, like you can customize a little bit more and whatever, but yeah. Uh, I want to make a comment on disposable income when it comes to getting stuff for your dogs. Yeah. Uh, if your dog has serious behavioral issues and you think getting it an embroidered collar with its name on it is more important than getting it training, you need to reevaluate your priorities. Um, because you, I mean, did you run into that recently? I, I have run into that and it's, it's extremely frustrating um, from the trainer's perspective to hear the person say that they can't afford it. Yeah. Um, 
when they have spent, obviously spent money on their dog looking cool. And it's like, yeah. you know, I, I understand like you want your dog to look cool, but don't you want your dog to be happy also? Right. Um, so make sure whenever you're prioritizing like what things to buy your dog, like you're spending your money in a beneficial way to your dog, not mm-hmm. just an aesthetic way to your dog. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's definitely a good point. Um, and a lot of times too, like it, it kind of gets hard, especially if you have like a middle of the road dog, right. And you're like, okay, well training or daycare. And obviously right now things are a little bit different, but before that was a big decision for a lot of people. Cause they're already spending hundreds per week, especially if they're taking their dog multiple times a week or if they have multiple dogs. Right. And it's like to them that, that it sort of is sometimes in their head, a way around training. Like, well, maybe a, a tired dog is a good dog as the old adage goes. Right. But that daycare could be enforcing your dog's bad behavior and making your dog's problems right. worse. Could be not necessarily, but it it absolutely it, can. And I have, I have seen the bad side of it too, yes. of like dogs being um, put in daycare to the point of exhaustion to where then they start developing reactivity to dogs. Cause they're like, I'm actually kind of over it. And, and we just assume like, you love this. So I'm going to send you to, to daycare. Cause you love it. Right. You've loved it forever. And really like in their heads, they're, they're getting tired and, and exhausted from it. Um, and really once a week would be enough plus training, um, right. would be a better alternative than every day going to daycare and that sort of thing. So, um, I think anytime we make concessions and, um, and, and sort of give ourselves loopholes and that sort of thing. And we, we need to evaluate, like, is this truly going to benefit the dog? And is this just me being lazy or is this actually a really good call? And usually the best way to find out is, you know, talk to a trainer. Because <laughs> um, yeah. if you talk to the daycare, they're going to say, yeah, absolutely. This is going to solve 99% of your behavior problems. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean. Because right. I've, I've told people to take their dog to daycare. And I have told people to stop taking their dog to daycare. And it just depends on the dog and the situation. Um, But that's, yeah, daycare is not always the answer. Getting a a fancy harness for your dog is not always the answer. Um, Sometimes talking to a trainer is the answer. Yep. Um, Harnesses, I don't really use a lot of harnesses. Um, I I usually recommend that if people are going to use a harness, they get one that clips in the front. Um, like an easy walk, but there's also tons of brands out there. Have you seen the harness that comes with like two different leashes? One that clips here in the front, one that clips in the back. I can't remember what it's called. There's a lot of stuff like that. And every harness, every gentle leader, every everything is going to be marketed as stop your dog's pulling now. But literally there's not a single tool that's just going to stop it. Not a single one. to make a change. Not a single one. You know, it takes training. That's what it takes. I have my theories on that. Um, do you, what is your your take on that? On why a tool won't just magically solve your problems? Because a dog can learn to live with anything. Dogs are extremely resilient creatures. So if they learn that part of their walk is now that the, they get kind of pulled sideways, but they still get to walk as fast mm-hmm. as they want, they possibly can. Like that's just how they learn to walk. Or mm-hmm. you know, if if they have the gentle leader on and. You're going to yep. pull their head away all the time. They're still going to try to smell if there's no mm-hmm. learning there. If they don't know yep. what it is you want, they're just like, yep. whatever. This person yep. yanks me around sometimes. Yep. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Same. I I always tell uh, my clients when I'm explaining it to them that dogs naturally walk significantly faster than us. We probably go like three, four, five miles an hour on average. Dogs usually will go like anywhere from five to 10 miles an hour. Like just easy. Like every dog, even even your little pet dog that likes to sleep all day. Easy. Mm -hmm. We'll go that that fast. That's their natural pace. So um, it's kind of insane to think that a harness is going to fix that. It's it's not. We just have to teach them like, yeah, we're slow and we're dumb. We're humans. Sorry. <laughs> Here's why you should want to, to walk with us. And then also give them moments where you do let them go their speed. Right. Um, Maybe you keep up with them for a little bit. Maybe right. you try to not put tension on the leash. Right. Exactly. Challenge yourself to that for like five minutes. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Well, if, if you have a fast dog. Uh, right. Some yeah. dogs will give you a break, but right, yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty pretty funny. Yeah, I'm not like, I'm not a fan of harnesses unless you're doing something like bike riding, um, yeah, a puppy extreme or hiking, a puppy when you're doing you know nose work or something like that, where you want the dog to pull, you want the dog mm-hmm. to be amped up, you want that resistance, yeah, and you get it. You know, for for yeah. uh, one of my dogs, Ruka, that loves bike riding, she knows that harness when it goes on. Oh, we're going for a bike ride. And so like, it's kind of a, a, a cue to her that like, she's going to get to do the yeah. thing that, that she really wants to do, but that involves pulling on right. that harness. So like, right. I wouldn't put the harness on her and then ask her to walk, you know, right. On a loose leash because that's a mixed right. signal. Right. Yeah. Well, I have, I have two other things I want to show people. Um, Ooh, is one of them a pinch collar? No, I actually forgot ah. to grab one. Um, but we should do a part two because we should, honestly, because I, I, I still have way more stuff on my list. <laughs> I do too. I'm like looking at this and I'm like, what to what do I prioritize? What do I prioritize? Um, yeah, yeah. So I think the one that I want to end on because we only have like a minute left. Okay. Is, um, an alternative to the Elizabethan cone. Um, oh. So the the cone of shame that dogs usually get after they have surgery of some kind or if they can't stop licking something or um, whatever. So I had to get one of these. Um, I, my first exposure to it was, was at APA, actually, when um, we had dogs who were very noise sensitive. And as you can imagine, a dog shelter with barking dogs in concrete runs, very echoey, very unpleasant. And this dog also had... Um, her, she had a really specific stress response where she would chew on her butt and pull out all the fur and it would turn to like these really gnarly hot spots. Um, and, um, she would chew on her tail a lot. Um, her, her name was maybe, and she was so wonderful. I loved her Aww. so much. She was a little selective when meeting new people, but you know, that's a quality I can admire. So am I. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so this is called, um, a bite knot collar. So like, don't bite basically. Um, and what's really cool about it is that it, it basically acts just kind of like one of those, like if you get into a fender bender, um, really? type of situation and you get, uh, like the little foam put around your neck to stabilize. So you don't like kind of bend and twist. Um, I bought one of these for Rocky because, uh, he kept slamming into stuff, but also the cone actually wasn't effective enough to stop him from getting to a wound he had on his rump. He could still like somehow get, it was, it was crazy. And I wasn't about to get like one of those super oversized ones. So I tried this. Um, and what's really cool is that, um, so it, it's a lot more comfortable. There's no echo. Your dog's not going to slam into your knees with sharp, thin plastic edge. That sounds wonderful. Um, I'm, I'm actually really interested in this. I haven't tried one yeah. of those. 
Um, they come in a bunch of different sizes um, and stuff like that. And then it's this, this yellow strap for those of you who are watching this um, basically just is acts as a backup. So you put it basically kind of around their chest and under their armpit and back up gotcha. to the collar itself. So you can't slip it off. Cause in theory, the dog could just go Foop, and just pop this right off. Right. So it helps prevent that. Um, but I really, really like this a lot. That's really cool. I recently invested in uh, the comfy cone brand. Yeah. So like, yeah. it's like the regular cone. But, but squishy. it's but squishy and soft so that when you get hit in the back of the knees, uh, it doesn't hurt as bad because mm-hmm. it's not plastic mm-hmm. cutting into your legs. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that because it is softer, dogs who are smart can get around it and bend it potentially or you have to like, it, it still can create an echo. It's not as bad because obviously it's cushioned, but still. So, um, Yeah. That was fun. That went by really fast, Courtney. That was crazy. Yeah, we still have so much more stuff. Uh, So we'll do a part two of this soon, maybe. Yeah. Probably. Most definitely. I mean, whatever. Obviously, we're super serious about this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Um, We're now on iTunes, which is really cool. Yes, welcome all the new listeners that are like subscribed and stuff. We really appreciate (laughs) you. That's so cool. Tell us who you are, please. Yeah. I'm quite curious, actually. If y'all have questions, you want dog training advice, or you want to, you know, ask us more to talk more about something we talked about in a previous episode or any of that kind of stuff, you can email us at superseriousdogpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support us, you can also go to our Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash superseriousdogpodcast. There's different tiers you can subscribe to. Um, You get bonus um, what do you call it? Bonus content, right? Like so, interviews and uh, uh, DIY videos and like yeah. how-to stuff and yeah, whatever we feel um, like putting out. I'm about to put up a um, how to hold the leash little nice. mini tutorial, which is cool. Nice. Um, and um, yeah, if if you can't financially support us, that's totally fine. We get it. Um, but you can also support us by, um, clicking like on wherever you're listening to the podcast or watching it, um, writing a review, um, telling your friends about us, right. All that kind of stuff. So definitely there's more than one way to support us. Um, even if you just send us an email, that's like, I really like your podcast. That's also makes that us will totally really make our day. Just so you know, <laughs> if you want to do that, 100%. day made <laughs> done. All right. Well, that's it. That's all we got. Goodbye. Bye.